this is Bob Q, artist of James Bond Origin, and you're listening to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, Episode 12, featuring James Bond Jr., issue number one for Marvel Comics. Welcome to the 12th episode of Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's secret podcast channel brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Pat, codename DJ Chris Tatus, the winner of the Rookie Agents Contest, the one, the only DJ Chris Tatos. I'm waiting for Delvin to go on move, but he's not. <laughs> that means I won. There's a useful four-letter word. And you're full of it. Anyway, joining me as co-agents are... And let's find out what the most Bondian 007-ly thing that they have done since last episode is. And we will start with... Well, let me, let me give it to my cohort here. My rookie agent, Delvin, the Dark Web. Welcome. Thanks, Pat. Congratulations on your win, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It, it was hard, long fought battle. You know, we were neck and neck, but you know, yeah, I pull it off there at the end. Yep. I mean, you're the, you're the best agent, the, the better agent. Yes, that I am. How kind of world have I just stumbled into? <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre world, apparently. I just figured I would just you know give give Pat what he what he wanted so desperately, <laughs> and that was to win. Oh, the, the rookie agents. He yeah. he introduced himself as that, so I figured I'd just say I like I like the moxie. Yeah, you're not swinging for the fences right away. A lot of moxie, <laughs> but I should talk about the most Bondian thing I did. You know what? I, I'm not sure if Bond has ever had to do a domestic move. I'm sure MI6 probably foots the bill if he needs to switch from place to place. But that's what I'm doing right now. I am in the process of a move. Uh, the missus and I have procured a place, and we're going to be moving to that place. And by this time next week, we will be starting that journey of moving a mile away uh, to a house that we own. So pretty stoked about that. You better hardwire that internet. <laughs> uh, I doubt that since I have a Mac, but... <laughs> uh, that's gross. Sorry. Well, Jason, was it Spectre where the Money Penny visited James Bond in his apartment and he never unpacked his boxes? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it was. Like he still, the only thing he had out was like a chair and the TV, and the TV is just like sitting on the ground. <laughs> that's that's, that's how Delvin's got to live, man. Or he could go like Skyfall, right? And then just using my hands for air quotes, like die, right? And then just mm. appear. And then after Miranda gets everything all set up, Mm. He comes him. back. Ooh. Reporting for duty, ma'am. <laughs> Reporting for duty, M. <laughs> oh, I like that. She'll be like, you need to stay dead, son. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking tequila, messing around with scorpions, fooling around with some girl on the beach. Leave that part out. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Agent Jason. What's your most 007 thing that you've been doing since last episode? 
Well, I got to say the most 007 thing I did was I uh, got my second Moderna shot. Got So I'm all vaxxed up against this evil plague that uh, I think Drax started, you know, by shooting mm-hmm. that coronavirus from his space station. Mm-hmm. So I've defeated Drax, got my second shot. This one actually went well, as you guys know, the first one nearly killed me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and this second one had, you know, I just was like nothing. So. So that was good. That's good. And then other than that, continue my quest through the James Bond novels. Recently finished Spy Who Loved Me. Very cool. How many are you in then? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Doing the no, math don't, don't look at me. I can't remember casino, what number that is. It's Casino, Moonraker, uh, Live and uh, Let Die. Um, then it was, I've Dr. done Gold, no. Dr. No, <laughs> I've done Goldfinger, I've done Diamonds Are Forever. Uh, Let's go with seven-ish. Seven or eight-ish. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Thunderball. Yeah, I've done eight. Eight. Very cool. Now let's go to our next senior agent, Agent Death Probe. Jared Albrick, the Death Probe. You can call me Hot Nuts. Anyways. The agent Hot Nuts. Hot Nuts. That's the new nickname I'm going for. The most James Bondian thing I've done since last recording has been a bit of home decor. I went and acquired some nicer frames from my autographed Miriam Diabo photo that was gifted to me by Mr. Rick Heineken from Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. And he occasionally makes appearances on this show. As Mine well. must have been lost in the mail. It hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> Probably so. But yeah, he, he's, he's uh, part of the Rusty Agents, as you guys may know. And he gifted me that. and It's quite wonderful. So I got that framed and hung up. And at the same time, I went ahead and framed and hung up my Christopher Walken autographed Max Zoran picture that the weasel skull over there got me for Christmas. I'm so, looking at it right now over your shoulder right. there. If you guys were watching the video, you would be able to see it. So my autograph wall continues to grow. It currently has uh, Sean, George, Roger, Tim, Chris Walken, Miriam Diabo. And I also have a Richard Keel, but I need to get a better frame for it. That's where I'm at in the autograph. So if any of our listeners out there have extra James Bond actor or actress autographs, just at yard sale artist hit my dm it, it <laughs> looks like that that wall's morphed into james bond with only the auburn Which, thing like <laughs> it's getting crowded out little by yeah little. i was like i gotta have to put that in a different location and go all bond on that auburn uh i love that piece that's for the national championship but delvin and i went to that game war eagle war eagle cool. pat yes oh yes the most bondian thing you've done well Lately, within the last month here, I've been doing some housework, like Delvin, doing some stuff around the house. And and so what I've been doing is working with some tools. And I recently got my hands on a nail gun. So nice. I've been practicing my shooting with the nail gun. Like the, like the gun trim. barrel at the beginning, like the turn yeah, and shoot? Yeah, I turn it on that shooting, and, poof, and then, and then <laughs> tap that. <laughs> <laughs> the dog, woof. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, I just kind of kind of walking around the house, shoot things. All right, with a nail gun. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that's going over real well. Eh, not really, but it's fun. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so that's about all the fun that I've been doing lately. The last time I saw somebody kill somebody with a nail gun was uh, Lethal Weapon Two. I think mm. nailed them both. Nailed them both. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> It does work. So, you know, it's, you know, you never know when I may get into some sort of a situation like that out in the field. So it's better to know your tools and how to use them properly. 
I agree. By not learning how to use them properly. Uh, <laughs> get the mistakes out of the way yes. first. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. I like it. Mm-hmm. I learned that being a rookie. Get my mistakes out early. You keep like a notebook around and you're walking and like, oh, lesson number 47. Never point nail gun at foot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've only I gotten a few. I'm waiting for it to get a little bit larger list, and you know my top 100 things not to do <laughs> as a as an agent. So, all right. But speaking about uh, numbers and top numbers, let's go ahead and talk about this is episode number 12 Ooh. of our ongoing series of this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents. We we will transversing the 007 universe and beyond. That could mean books, that could mean music, that could mean video games. Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we're going to find out about it and dig it up and read it, listen to it, watch it, do whatever we got to do. to Flip it up, smack it, and rub it down. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't have a guest here, but I do have another quick question for you guys. And I want to ask you guys, for the 12th episode, what is your favorite Bond movie poster? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I like that one. It could be all through all the movies. It could be like if it's a retro one or, or something like that. I figured that, let's find out. What's your favorite Bond movie poster? For me, it would have to be one of the early ones. I'm looking at the one Jared's got over his head. This is really great audio, by the way. The Live and Let Die poster mm -hmm. with Roger Moore. I think that's got to be one of the top Roger Moore posters. I'd probably go Sean Connery. I like the Thunderball poster. I like the one that has the underwater battle scene where he's grappling with the okay. guy. I, everybody's pretending like they're falling asleep. That's very funny. <laughs> it's, very it's, funny. it's a good-looking poster visually, for yes. sure. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that would be mine, the Thunderball movie poster. I'm with Jason. I like a lot of those original artsy ones, and I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning with the Dr. No one with sort of the, it's like three color kind of yes. almost charcoal sketched. And it's just, it's where just he's awesome. sitting there, he's got like the pistol dangling, dangling that. Yeah, yeah. And it's got like the three women behind him all done in a different color. Okay. And it's, yep. it's real kind of stripped down, but very artsy at the same time. And I just love, I had it hanging up in my dorm room in college. And I honestly can't think of one artistically that I like better. I mean, you guys know me. I would love to have both Dalton movie posters. Mm -hmm. I have them both. They're both damaged, unfortunately. But artistically, I'm going to go with the original Dr. No poster. It's probably not the uh, coolest uh, answer, but I, I really like it. I was thinking hard on that one, too. That's a good one. Delvin, has anything come to mind that you've posted that you would remember? Remember, no. But I had the opportunity while Jason and Jarrett were talking to go look and see which one kind of struck my eye. The Goldfinger poster struck my eye. There's one where there's the woman in gold. The one that I'm seeing right now, there's a woman that's laying on her stomach and she's painted in gold. And then there's Sean Connery kind of blocking out where her bottom would be. And he's sitting there in that in a very cool James Bond pose with his uh, left hand under his right and his, he has the gun in his right hand. Ooh, okay, okay. That's a pretty cool one. But the other one I saw that caught my eye, and I think we talked about it way back in Rookie Agents, was the For Your Eyes Only poster where mm -hmm. it had the legs and it had mm -hmm. Roger Moore. 
that one's posing mine. between it and the action scenes on the side. Mm. That one's a really striking poster to look at. Just two at random. I don't want to take or potentially take one that Pat might say, but those are two that I was just looking at, going to Google and checking out, and they really caught my eye. Good ones. I'm thinking uh, that one for your eyes only or uh, View to a Kill. Oh, on the, the, on the bridge? Yeah, he's standing there and just iconic to me, and it brings me back to the theater scene that there. And oh, yeah. Probably- That's back when they were still doing, that was like the tail end of the painted posters. Mm, yeah. And and right before they started doing the Photoshop style, which is, I will say that's something that suffers in the Timmy D era. Yeah. Is they're all the Photoshop. They got better at it, I think, as the Craig era came. People got better at Photoshop, so True. I think his are better. Uh, artistically and composition-wise than the Timmy D ones. Although I do like the one for License to Kill that has the sort of the face of Robert Davi in the background and Bond is sort of dead center. Um, that, oh, was not, yeah, yeah. that was not bad, but that is yeah, good. in the end, I think that era did suffer from Photoshop instead of the painted. You, you're on the tail end of the painted with a view to it. In fact, I think that is the last yeah. <laughs> painted Awesome. Well, thank you guys for indulging me on that question. I thought it was uh, interesting to see. No, it's a good question. Yeah. Like you said, the progression of the posters from the beginning to the new ones, just to see that progression on art style, how how it all has changed and which ones stand out. I remember somebody saying you can't really tell the difference between uh, Daniel Craig Bond poster and the Just for Men ad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that gabbing out of the way. Now let's go ahead and get to our rogue agent subject for this episode. And it is James Bond Jr., issue number one from Marvel. Let's go ahead and get some detailed information about the comic. Uh, It was published by Marvel. Its cover date was January 1992, but its on-sale date was November 26, 1991. Cover price was just $1. Writer was Cal Hamilton. Penciler, Mario Capaldi. Inker, Colin Fawcett. Letterer is Stuart Bartlett. Colorist is Ewan Peters. Cover credits go to penciler Mario Capaldi and inker Colin Fawcett. And we'll just give a quick description of the cover. I got you covered, Pat. This one is the classic Marvel Comics logo of the early 90s. Up in the corner box has a bit of a running James Bond Jr. in the cover box. Title font is orange and yellow. I kind of like the title font, by the way. With I the do. I think it's cool. Bond with the target on it. I just wanted to throw that in. Across the top, it says action-packed first issue. And basically, you have a nice standing pose, thumbs up, James Bond Jr. in the foreground. And then you have a montage of villains and events in the background. You've got the flying car. You've got the head of scum all in shadow. You've got the new jaws. And you have a parachuting 
Bond, all with a sort of a psychedelic and swirly background. Back to you, Pat. All right. Thank you, Jarrett, for that cover description. Quick thoughts on the cover. We got Jarrett's a little bit. And if you want to add more, Jarrett, you can. But we'll start with Jason. You know, I kind of like it. Uh, at first, I looked at it as like, oh, James Bond and kicks. That's pretty neat. <laughs> 90s uh, kicks. He's very dressed out in that 90s kind of look there with the jeans, the kicks, the jacket. Looks cool. Looks hip. Looks jiggy with it. I like how the montage. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I like how the montage does capture the events. I like the flying Aston Martin. I thought that was cool. And like Jared said, I do dig the title scheme. Looks really neat. Mm -hmm. The running Bond silhouette with the target on it is pretty cool. So overall, I kind of like this cover. Jared, do you have anything more to add? I dig it too. I think if I saw this on a spinner rack back in 1992, I would have pulled it off. Mm -hmm. I actually wasn't aware of the James Bond Jr. comic until maybe just a couple of years ago. So I don't know how this one got by me. I remember being vaguely aware of the cartoon. And I think it really ties in really nicely with the cartoon. It's everything you expect from that. And the action figure line. I have a few of the action figures. I've seen a little bit of the cartoon. Knowing what I know about those two items, this ties in really well. And if I saw it on the spinner rack, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah, James Bond. Hand it over. Well, I was at the time... I was collecting. So this is kind of like the high period of my timeline of collecting. And so I saw this number one, going to grab it. So I grabbed it. It caught my eye and I'm like, Oh, James Bond Jr. Let's, you know, let me get down to the ground floor here. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, if you're deep into James Bond lore, like we are, it's kind of cool. But yeah. yeah, if you're just a yeah. passing comic book reader or cartoon watcher <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out we'll figure it out at the end here but i will apologize of, in advance if you've already answered this question but do you know how many issues it went fun fact it went 12 issues oh i thought okay. it went so four. i guess i don't have to do a fun fact later thanks a lot for spoiling <laughs> oh you could have just said wait till fun facts and i'll tell you i'll give you a bone there you go let's go to delvin for his thoughts on the cover well, looking at the images, it looks like one of James Bond Jr.'s villains is Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> it does a little bit. <laughs> so uh, there. <laughs> it does look like. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, it's not a bad cover. It's not, and and the logo is pretty cool too. And I just have to ignore that. Even as a kid, I remember like the theme song kind of, and I'm like, he took the name from his uncle, James. Wouldn't he be James Bond the second? <laughs> oh yeah. The original plan was for him to be his son, but they decided to change that later in production and make it his nephew. Yeah. Cause it was completely implausible that James Bond would ever impregnate anybody. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit later. We'll talk about a comic book called Jimmy's bastards. <laughs> right. That's a real thing. Dad, yeah. Yeah. Dad, who's my mother? <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Who dropped you off? (laughs) Well, yeah, overall, it's it's not bad. And it gives a depiction of uh, some of the things that you're going to see in the book. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I just had a revelation. Go ahead. This is the son of Neil Connery. (laughs) That's who this is. This is that. Kid brother. <laughs> All right, if we get into this and he's really good at archery, we'll know. <laughs> he, is, he is the son of Neil Connery from Operation Kid Brother, I guarantee you. He didn't use protection. <laughs> 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 
That's all right, Pat. Oh, that's all right, yeah. Yep. You guys got bits and bits and bits and bits. It just occurred to me that if this is his <laughs> his nephew, that it, it could be. To, it has to be Neil Connery's kid. <laughs> you can make it whatever kind of timeline-y, kind of a, you know, <laughs> however you want. Whatever, whatever makes you sleep at night, right. Jared. Whatever makes you sleep at night. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to a plot description for this issue. And the title is The Beginning. We have James Bond Jr. has had an interesting first day of school. After a dramatic entrance with his flying car that fails to impress the headmaster, James is enjoying making new friends. Among his new chums are Horace Boothroyd, grandson of Q, and Gordon Leiter, the son of Felix. Rounding out the gang are the lovely ladies Tracy Fairbanks, the headmaster's daughter, and Phoebe Farragut. As young Bond settles into his day, he receives a message that his uncle has left him a package. Sneaking away from school with his new friends, James discovers that he has fallen into a trap set by the evil scum lord to steal a cutting-edge EMP gadget from his car. Trapped by scum lord and his henchman Jaws, Bond and Tracy find themselves on a jet commanded by the evil duel. With the asset of a gadget provided by Horace, IQ, Bond and Tracy turn the tables and make good their escape with a parachute as the forces of scum plummet to earth. And that's the story. A quick comic adaptation of the first episode of the animated series as well. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and get into it. Was it a first read or a reread? We'll start with Jason. First read for me, Pat. Delvin. It was a first read for me too, Pat. Jared. I'm going to have to screw us here. I bought this about a year ago and read it then. It's a reread. Okay. Well, it's a first read for me, but that doesn't matter, even though I bought it a long time ago, and it was one of those that sat on my pile for quite a long time. Wait, you bought this off the rack in 1991, and you haven't read it since? Just get to it. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Wow. I know. Well, you know, other ones got in the way, but I had the number one. You know, you got to have it. I don't know if it's worth a ton. It's probably worth a little bit, because bond collectors out there still want this stuff. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to highs and lows for this issue. What's going to start with Delvin? You got a high-low for this comic. Let's start with a low. Okay. Seems like uh, old James Bond Jr. here is pretty easily duped. Yep. Like, hey, hey, there's a package. You should go get it. And never mind that, like, he could have been like, you know what? I can't even get this package. Because I'm grounded and I just told the dean that I would not make any more trouble. But he immediately broke the rules to go get this package that probably should have been sent to the school anyway. Because that he's was at my point. Because like, I don't know how British mail works, but here like the package comes to the house. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and then he got duped then and then he got duped. My jaws, where he's like, I don't know where Jaws is. Where is he? And Jaws like, right here, bonk, and like <laughs> threw him in the trunk. Like what? So I'm not impressed with James Bond's Junior's ability to escape danger. 
then again, at the times, there were times where James Bond himself got very easily duped, but like he seemed to be more dupable than his uncle, at least in issue one. So I'll start with a low. And I'll give it to Jared. I have so many highs, Pat. How many would you like me to do in round one? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I will we'll flip rows here. Okay. We will let you do one around, and mm-hmm. then you can have my spot where I would normally ramble on about <laughs> some other stuff. All right. I'll say my first high is just sort of overall the characters and the way they've laid it out. It feels very much like Archie Comics meets James Bond. It's like the Archie mm-hmm. gang. Yep of characters with a James Bond influence. I love Archie and I love James Bond. So this is a natural win for me. It's definitely a quick read. Uh, even though it was like 30, some 32, 36 pages. I think the story wasn't that many and it read by really quick, but good fun. You know, this is a kid's teenage, you know, young kids kind of a book here. You know, I think if you were to look at this, this is the next level up from the goofy one. That we read. Right. You know, this would just kick it up just a little bit more for those uh, soon-to-be teens, those those younger teenage readers that would buy this. Or somebody sense. that's reading comics and just want a quick palate cleanser, just read this through real quick and you're on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Jason, you had a high-low or what the? Going to be a little unoriginal and tack on to what Jared said about the characters. That was the first thing that really jumped out to me, where it reminded Jared of the Archie folks. To me, it kind of reminded me of the Scooby gang. That's kind of the feel I got from it as they were all kind of going out there in Bond's car and in the little van that they were taking. That was pretty cool. It's kind of the Scooby gang with a James Bond flavor to it. So I like that a lot. I agree with that, too. I think that's a good thought on it. But be back to Delvin for round two. I feel like I'm on the low end of the totem pole here. I didn't dislike it. I just kind of found myself saying, what's the point of it? It's kind of like they could have just done James Bond in college. They didn't have to really update James Bond because one of James Bond's appeal is that he's timely, right? And when they did that in the movies, this was about the time there was a lull, right? This was about 90, 91 time frame. Yeah, Next movie right. would be 95. Yep, yep. next movie would be 95. So I could definitely see that they needed more James Bond content at the time. And that's not something that I knew at the time when this cartoon came out. But I don't know. I I can see why they would want to kind of like maybe make James Bond more appealable to the kids. I think they just could have came up with a kind of another way of doing it. I, I don't know. I didn't think it was bad. I wouldn't mind reading more. But just something about it felt unoriginal all the same. I don't know. I, that's kind of a what the nothing about the book was bad. I did. I didn't think it was a waste of time. I just thought that James Bond Jr. just seemed the whole premise just seems a little clunky. Well, it's interesting, too, because we we kind of took a, a little bit of a dive into Bond in his college years on that. The James Bond comic that we read when we interviewed. Help me out here. Bob Q. Bob, Bob Q. Q. Yeah. And I think that seemed like more of the comic you were looking for, Delvin, something along those lines. Uh, you know, this is James Bond mm-hmm. in college before he became a super secret agent. I'll jump on this, too, and say, well, I agree with Delvin that I think its execution was a little clunky, which is why it didn't make it more than a season or two. I think Pat will have the information on how many episodes it went for the cartoon. And the toy sales did OK. And the comic series, you know, 12 issues and it did OK. But 
what I do like about it is there are very, very few attempts to get a younger crowd interested in James Bond. And I applaud them for making one because it's like James Bond is basically for our listeners out there, you know, please don't think I'm being sexist, but I'm being very general. when I say it's basically something you get from your dad. I know there's plenty of Bond folks who probably got from their mom, but you know what I'm saying? It's handed down oftentimes from father to son. So I think it's a a cool thing that they tried to reach out and grab new Mm -hmm. interest from a younger demographic. Yeah, I definitely agree on that, that they were kind of going out of their comfort zone here and seeing if they could start that cultivating that next generation of kids growing up for what they had coming forward with the new um, uh, with the newer movies coming out with in 95. Real quick, they couldn't do this without permission from the Broccoli family, right? Probably not. It gets a little gray because the Broccoli family holds movie rights and then the Fleming Foundation holds book rights and then this somewhere in the middle. Been, I think this was more on the Fleming side of it in some of my research. I could be wrong. If anybody's listening, definitely let us know. I don't do heavy research. We should have had Alan on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> let us know. I don't know if Alan would have wanted to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has been tormented by James Bond yes. Jr. <laughs> He's got it in his book. He references it in his book. So yes. we, we know who knows. James Bond lexicon. Everybody go buy a copy. Go buy a copy. All right. We'll go to Jared. Well, let me see what other high I like. Plot point of Scum wanting the car because it had an EMP bomb in it so that they mm-hmm. could erase all computers in England. Mm-hmm. Remind that you is the plot? plot of GoldenEye. Yep. <laughs> three years ahead of schedule. Yep. So kudos to them for having the plot to GoldenEye three years before GoldenEye. I should Alex Trevelyan was reading this issue. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Alex Trevelyan was like, <laughs> I got it. Revenge is mine. <laughs> Then he was like, oh, IQ, you're so wacky. (laughs) Jason. I like the villains. I thought the villains were just the right amount of scary and fun. Having the main henchman be this type of Jaws makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can make an argument that Jaws from the movies is probably one of the more cartoonish villains. And I say that in a good way because he worked well in the films he was in. And I think that translates well to the comic. Mm-hmm. I think Scumlord, that's kind of a funny name. I like Scumlord's little dog, too. <laughs> Having the dog was a nice touch. So hats off to the villains. I thought they were well-drawn, well-conceived, well-executed. I got to tack on, because another one of my favorite things there about the dog is the dog gets actual speech bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> For, like, Yelp and, and just Wolf. Yeah. Like, he gets literal speech bubbles, and that just amuses me to know it. Yeah, I thought that was funny, and it was also funny, too, because if I remember right at the end, when they're escaping from the plane, like, Scumlord gets a parachute, the dog gets a little parachute, and Jaws gets nothing. Jaws <laughs> <laughs> just out the door. Yep, and lands and breaks the barn. <laughs> Crunches it. through a barn for Burn. the second time in his career. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I saw that homage, and that's yeah. not something that I would have picked up had I not gone through the movie. So I did think that was a nice touch. And, and then you have Bond with the parachute and Tracy with him, and you know, there's a lot of subtle touches to you know nods and winks to some of the Bond films there. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really like too is, of course, his kind of love interest. Her name. Yep. Tracy. Tracy. Yeah. Very so good. I, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh. So, yep. All in all, not a bad comic. Like I said, uh, it was a quick read, fun read. You could read it, 
put it down? You know, are you hungry for another one? I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll find out in a little bit. But, Jared, let's get back to you with any other comments you'd like to make. Or before we start, is there any of the other two that want to say something? No, I'll let Jared have the floor. He looks wound okay. up and ready to go. <laughs> All right. I'll hit you with one of my very few lows, but I'm going to follow it with a quick high. So don't worry about that. It's on page, well, 24 as stamped in the book, but they're actually taking into account ads too. There's a drawing at the very top of Jaws, and he's kind of looking over his shoulder as Bond and Tracy are getting uh, in or out of the car. I'm not sure which. And his jaw is actually incorrectly drawn because he has a metallic jaw. And in that drawing, he has a flesh jaw and a metallic jaw at the same time. And it's the only time that it's drawn that way in the whole book. So the artist missed a beat of continuity there on Jaws's jaw, on his bottom jaw. But aside from that, I, like I said, I'm going to turn this into a high. Aside from that just small oversight and continuity, I really like the art. This is really good, crisp, cartoony art that emulates the show really, really well. And I just think it looks fantastic. I think they did a really good job on the art, the colors. Uh, I would like to reference the page where Bond and Tracy are parachuting down with the explosion in the background. Looks really good. Mm-hmm. It's all very, again, kind of almost Archie-esque in its style. And I think it plays really well. I was going to say, I'd be interested in the character designs for the action figures that were made for this. Was there a Jaws action figure? Do you yes. Know? Yes. Oh, cool. I'd be kind of cool as have. Uh, wait till you meet Odd Job in this continuity. His redesign is insane. Uh, <laughs> Jaws is definitely one of the better redesigns. I like I said I have a couple of them, but both of mine are Bonds and different outfits. I don't. I don't think I have any of the villains. I just recently picked them up at a con on the cheap. Hmm. You mentioned the cool connection with Tracy. Did you also notice that the headmaster of school's last name starts with an M, which I thought was also interesting. The other thing I really liked was IQ was very, very concerned about the watch that he made. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's a good little wink and a nod to Q from the movies. Like, they're all in this terrible danger. He's like, man, I hope my watch comes out okay. (laughs) I thought that was excellent. That's about it. I just want to hit on those things. Uh, again, I love the art. I love the attempt to grab the younger audience like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. As the guy who's doing the video game documentary here on the network, I will remind everyone that not only did he get a cartoon, a comic book, and an action figure line, but there was a game on the Nintendo and a game on the Super Nintendo. And they're both two very different games. So a lot of times, you know, the Super Nintendo is kind of an upgrade to the Nintendo version. These are two totally different games. So if you are into James Bond Jr., you've got to want both games because they're they're different. Have you gotten around to playing either one of those yet? I would say fiddling. Like, I haven't gone through to, like, beat them, but I have fiddled with them for my research because I do own them both. And uh, they're okay. I actually think the one on regular Nintendo is a little more engaging than the Super Nintendo one. And for those of you who have listened to uh, my documentary, it is on the Volume 2 of the 90s documentary. There's some good stuff in there from people who have really played them in depth and how glitchy they are. One of them is often played just to see how many glitches you can get. That's the Super Nintendo one, I do believe. People mm-hmm. actually go out of their way to try to find fun glitches. But anyway, I won't bore you anymore with my video game stuff. Just want to toss that out there as an add-on. Oh, I was just going to ask you, were there any good Bond video games in the 90s? He's going to wind me up. <laughs> well, you have to listen to the episode and find That's right. out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think with that discussion out of the way, I think just want to say, again, this is the comic adaptation. So it's a lighter version of the animated series 
first episode called The Beginning. So if you watch the animated series first episode, there's a lot of other stuff that happens in here uh, that we didn't touch on and that isn't really touched on in the comic as well, too. So you kind of get from watching the animated series and the comic, you, you'd get a bigger, broader view of the James Bond Jr. and where it's coming from here. Who I will say that it, it's been a long time since I've seen the original episode, which is the only episode, I think, of James Bond Jr. that I've actually really sat down and watched. Mm-hmm. And I thought this did a really good job of capturing it. Awesome. Well, let me just leave you guys with some fun facts here. Just to let you know, the series did go 12 issues uh, from January 1992 to December of 1992. The first five stories were lifted from the TV series. Uh, and they weren't like one through five. They skipped a few of the episodes. Like I think the next comic in number two is actually episode four, I believe, in doing some of my research here. But the other seven were original series to this comic book. So if you want to get a little more James Bond, then you would uh, read the other seven comics that are in here. Speaking about the animated series, it was mildly successful. It had 65 episodes in it. Wow. Yeah. I was surprised, too. I'm like, oh, maybe it only went like, a f- you know, at least 12 or more. I was thinking well, probably a little bit more than that. But no, it was 65 episodes for the TV series. And that... Through the TV series, it spawned a six-volume novelization series by John Peel, who was writing as John Vincent. So there's novels as James Bond Jr. as well spun off of this. I forgot to mention that. I wish I could have stole that thunder from you, too. Yeah, it seems like everybody's stealing my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> because I also wanted to say about the two video games, but Jarrett said that, too. Oh, uh, THQ man. made it in 1992 <laughs> on the NES and the Super NES. If you want to hear more about that, Listen to Jared's Bond on video games. We all really got to start reading the script. (laughs) (laughs) There was no way you were going to touch the video games on this one. I failed you. Yes, yes. I I tried doing my research. I was like, oh, cool, man. I'm an agent now. I'm going (laughs) to live it up. And then here we are. (laughs) Let me show you what I know about James Bond Jr. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this then. Did you guys know that James Bond Jr. was the first used in the 1967 spinoff novel, The Adventures of James Bond Jr., 003 and a Half? News to me, Pat. Authored by the never-clarified pseudonym R.D. Mascot. So there's a little something maybe that I brought. Yay, I got nothing on that. Way to go, R.D.'s Nuts Mascot. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. It's a one through seven, and seven is you loved it. It shook your martini. Six is excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, just good. And two, not so good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini. Ooh, yuck. We'll start with Jared. Okay, I feel like I'll probably be the high one here. I really enjoy the concept of James Bond Jr. I spoken already about how i think it's neat they tried to bring in a new audience maybe not executed so well but i like that this is here there's a lighter bond i can go to and just have a little fun with Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna give it six out of seven i'm very taken with the concept and i like the book quite a bit very good delvin i might be the guy on the low end but not super low i'm at a four i think it's good. good Yeah. Like I saw it and I had mentioned before, none of it was bad. None of it was a labor to get through, even though I would be remiss 
you know, since this is the long box crusade too, of I didn't say, you know, don't try and sugarcoat those 36 pages, Patrick. Like, just know <laughs> that I caught you on those 36 pages. Counting. They were short pages. I don't care. 36 <laughs> pages. <laughs> it's not the size that matters, Delvin. It's the content. Remember that. I'm going to remember that. Okay. But yeah, overall four, not bad at all. And it was an easy read. It was. Let's give it to Jason. Yeah, I'm with you, Delvin. I'm at a four as well. It's not my cup of tea, but 10-year-old me as a Bond fan would have been all over this. It's something that's well done. It's well executed. And I think for his target audience, it's pretty doggone good. So four for me. And I'll let you bring us home, Pat. I'm going to go between you guys with the between the six and the four and settle in here with a very good at five. I really enjoyed it. I think, again, it's a good short romp. And with 11 more issues to read, I could see myself finding these, getting them, reading it through. It probably maybe a couple nights, if that or whatever. Just a quick read. You want it to, you know, get yourself ready for Bond and just have that nice little Bond dreams at night after you're done reading. Man. Hell yeah. It's fun. And it be, would be a great place to start with your kids. You know, you want to hear some James Bond, some light stuff that they could get into the concept of it and understand it and have some fun with it. So I, I liked it. You went with a five. I'm at six. You get two fours from the other guys. I wonder how much of this, my love for it, does hang on my strong love for Archie. Pat, you got a pretty strong love for Archie. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's strong love, but... No? Okay. Uh, Anybody else got a strong love for Archie? Is that what's doing it for me? <laughs> I like Archie. I liked Archie yeah. back in the day. Yeah, nothing against Archie. Okay. I wonder if I, I'm a big, you know, I've got a big collection of Archie Digest and all that. Why do so. you like those, though? I don't know, they just remind me of my childhood. They're real popular when mm-hmm. I was in elementary school. And, and they're great just, like you said, bedside reading. Just kind of pick up and just read a little six-page Archie adventure. And you chuckle, oh, Jughead, you can't eat all those hamburgers. Yeah. And then you go back to sleep, you know? I don't know. I also really like the art in it. And, you know, and I'm then you a- have a dream that a hamburger is <laughs> you. you. <laughs> but anyway, I like the art style. I think this fits in well with that. I also think it fits in well with the art style of the Turtles book that was really popular by Archie Comics. Mm-hmm. Just think it just has Maybe that general era vibe that I really like. So, yeah, I get it. Anyway, just thoughts. No, oh, that's good. I definitely uh, can see where you're coming from on that. Would you read more? Oh, heck yeah. Like, if this was a Crusademus episode of Long Night Crusaders, be like 12 candy canes. I'm hunting down this series. I will yeah, find them all cool. at one point. I enjoy it that I would definitely get it hardbound uh, if I knew people who did that kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> that would be kind of cool to have that all, have all 12 issues hardbound like oh, that. Oh, it's something for those that I seven would original stories. Yeah, I'm going on that. Cool. All right. Well, now it's time that we pass this over to our network founder here on the White Rocket Entertainment. And that is Van Plexico. So he can give thanks to all the Patreon sponsors who make this show possible. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for White Rocket and join up. And it's for as little as a dollar a month, you get to be part of the show. And we send out, we, I post things occasionally on the Patreon page of interest. And you get previews, you get special deals, special offers. 
and discounts on things that we do. And you sometimes get shows before the, uh, the regular audience does. Here are the fine folks who are currently keeping our programs on the air that we owe everything to. Samuel Salvatore and Bart Lindsay, uh, Bradley Blackman, Brian Gray, Chris Usher, Gary Grant, Logan Chilton, Phil Amthor, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Tom Anderson, Willie Carden, and Kanjian. Hey, you falling up? Ben Bloodsworth, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, David Evers, David Hegler, Emmanuel Seaman, George Gaston, Jacob and Robin Fleming, James Greenwell, Joel Beckham, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B, Phil Davis, Preston Settle, Reynolds Wolf, Rich Reimer, Steve Harlan, Timothy, W.D.E. Ritchie, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Alex Nguyen, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, Cato the Barner, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Colby Butler, Danny Flack, plus Darius Benton, David Simpson, Dibama, Earl Ricks, Eric Mahan, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Kenoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Mike Finley, Papa Todd, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Ross, Russell Milling, Shannon Butson, Sarah Hines, Shane Bailey, Snowdog, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Todd Gray, Tony Perry, Auburn Elvis, Ben Amos, Brandon Sisson, Brandon Smith, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, David Smiley, Don, Donnie Reynolds, Plus Ivor Evans, James Taylor, Jason Albrick, John Stubbs, John Zavachin, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, Justin Bean, Lawrence Kane, Mark Squire, Matthew Flowers, Mick Vigicana, Nicholas Craig, Patrick Williams, Paul Bankson, Robert Drain, Robert O. Sammons, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, that's the truth, Ruth, Spanky, Stephen Thompson, Trevor Johnson, Kenneth Brent Rains, Brent Rumble, and Chris Plus, our one-time and anonymous donors, we thank you all so much. Go to www.plexico.net or just go to www.patreon.com and sign up and join the family. All right. Thank you, Van, for that list of great supporters. Speaking about great supporters, we have a audio call-in from our rusty agents, Jeff and Rick. Let's go ahead and give that a listen. W6N, 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 calling G7W. How do you hear me? Over. Good evening, agents. This is Jeff from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I am providing this week's field report from the junior agents stationed in the Pacific Northwest. As usual, I surprised my fellow junior agent Rick during the recording of our regular podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, with a pop quiz in the middle of our script. His answers are not prepared. <laughs> His fiance, his fiance has cut that off from him. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and move on to this now. Mm-hmm. You think you can do it right this time, Jeff? Uh, you bet. <laughs> I, I'm sure I could do that right. But that sounds like a lot of work. And man, you know what? That sounds like an odd job. And do you know to what else sounds like an odd job? We're never going to get to it. <laughs> Having to take a pop quiz, hot shots. We're never going to get this episode. <laughs> Odd job as a henchman to the villain Auric Goldfinger in the 1959 James Bond novel Goldfinger and its 1964 film adaptation. In honor of this fan favorite villainous henchman, could you shag and Rick tell me five odd jobs that you have had? Oh, uh, sure. I was helping to build a fence on a buffalo ranch in Wyoming once. That is an odd job. How'd you get into that? I needed work, and that was work available. All right. <laughs> Shag. Hit me with an odd job. 
I worked in a dirty, filthy back room building juggling equipment, and that is not a euphemism. <laughs> huh. Not juggalo equipment. No, no. Juggling no, equipment. Juggling, specifically juggling. devil sticks. Okay. Also, also, not a euphemism. Also mm. not a euphemism. Then it's a double entendre, if you know what I'm talking about. Let's hear uh, Which no, I don't. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a good boy. Yeah, that's not true. Do we just do? Do we just need one each? Because I really don't want to think of any more odd nah, jobs. No, nah, uh, we need a. Give me five. I oh, cleaned okay. out the attic of a television station and pulled out old TV Guide posters, like giant posters from TV Guide covers uh, from the seventies, and oh, wow. spent about two weeks cleaning out the attic of a TV station. Neat. Did you then eBay those off for personal gain? <laughs> no, but I think I kept the Charlie's Angels one for personal, personal reasons. reasons. Personal reasons. Yes. Uh, I one time cleaned out the inside of the ferret exhibit at the Oregon Zoo. Ah! ah. <laughs> Least fun job of that year. Wow. That <laughs> might not be terrible. Let's see here. <laughs> any other good odd jobs between the two of you? Really? Let's see here. I, I'm trying to think if I've got any more uh, good odd jobs. And I, I, I know there's got to be something out there, but I, I can't think of it at the moment. I, no. I know that the, the shortest job I ever had was working at a call center one time. It was making calls on a sale on a sales. Uh, we're selling something. And through over the course of two hours, I went through the hiring process, the training process, started making actual calls, decided I wanted to quit. And before they said, well, before you leave, can you help the other people that got hired at the same time with you learn how to get past the training part? Sure. So I went from being hired, trained, working to a trainer in two hours. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And said, I don't want to do this because, eh. (laughs) Why am I the manager now? (laughs) The only one, other one I can think of is uh, appearing on a podcast as a guest and then being thrown ridiculous quizzes unexpectedly. It is yeah. an odd job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the cool things about odd job is he had a pretty neat hat. And uh, hey, Rick, check out my cool new hat trick. What's that? It shoots bullets. Training as always, we'll continue in the field until our junior agents are able to handle any situation. Thank you for accepting our reports. Until next time, junior agents signing out. All right, that was our junior rusty agents sending in a very odd report. I, I got to say that I could see why Rick didn't do well at the job. He couldn't even remember what product they were selling. <laughs> we were selling something. I think I see why that didn't work out. Do you want to buy this <laughs> thing? <laughs> I have things and stuff. Maybe it was a I was gonna say that's, that's a that's a messed up hat. <laughs> buy enough of this stuff, we'll throw in a thing for free. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with Delma. I've never heard of a hat that shoots bolts before, but I guess Rick has. <laughs> Unless he killed Shag. I only heard one shot. Not sure who I he killed. Know, I don't know. Mm, well, someone's got to help him clean it up and move the body, so. That's an odd job. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, there's another odd job. Yeah. <laughs> Rick on worked on a. He built a. Fa- he built a fence in my- Wyoming. Like clearly, Rick was a on buffalo ranch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rick, Rick fell on hard times. <laughs> <laughs> he read one too many Jack Reacher novels and decided to give that lifestyle a go. <laughs> You'll live on this bus and fight crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quiet now, Pat. Your show. Thank you. And I think with that, that's going to close us out for now. So that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be a part of the show, and you can be by sending us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to OS 
ohmspod at outlook.com or over on the Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you can also send us an email as a reminder. That's ohmspod at outlook.com. Or you can send us an audio recording of your question or comment, and we might even play it on the show. And we will love to hear from you and make it part of the show. Also, if you are an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review on the show. That way, it will help raise the show's profile and attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank Jason, Delvin, and Jared for joining me on this episode. Thank you, agents. Well done. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Where can they find you, Pat? Well, Jason, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared? You can find me at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Delvin, bring us home. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. My alternate Twitter handle is at Second Best Agent. Mm. Mm. Yep. I'm starting my new one, First Best Agent. Mm. First Best. There we go. <laughs> That's a good closing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Lombox Crusade. Delvin, where can they find that? Wasn't expecting that. Uh, (laughs) That's that's what you get for being second best. (laughs) For real, Jared. Ah, Longbox Crusade, where can you find that? You can find that on any podcatcher that's available. You can also go to the website at www.longboxcrusade.com. Come check us out. Back to you, Pat. Thank you, Delvin. And thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thanks to the listeners who tuned in. And if you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any other episode, feel free to contact the show at Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jared's Choice. Put your helmets on, boys. (laughs) Ooh. Put your helmets on. Casino 67 is coming Right, it's the pill that all podcasts that do James Bond must swallow. So just letting the audience know that's uh, a train is coming down the tracks. If you want to be with Delvin and me who haven't seen it yet. Just just enjoy the bliss that is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that Alan Porter is going to join us because he's actually a big fan. Okay. And we'll have lots to say about it. So just I want to give the folks a preview that that's coming next and. Delvin, you're going to be begging for the Star Wars holiday uh, (laughs) He's going to be begging for OK Connery. (laughs) Like, can we please watch OK Connery again? All right. Well, I'm now intrigued to see what will happen after this. Maybe there will be only one bestest. (laughs) (laughs) One of y'all might kill yourselves. (laughs) We'll see. But before we do, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. 
This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whittler. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. <laughs> Don't take that poison. <laughs> It'll kill you. Okay, Pattery. <laughs> it's not my kid. <laughs> he said that too quick. <laughs> yeah, he's... Little but the kid's there. not my son. Billy Jean? Anyway, anyway, on. let's move on. Pseudonym. 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 Okay. Pseudonym. Studio. Sorry, I hadn't talked in a while. I, I, I felt the need to add something. <laughs> but she doesn't even know my name. <laughs> okay. Under the studio of RD. Pseudonym. Pseudonym. Oh, okay. Under the pseudonym. Delvin did that just to set you up, man. Okay, here we go. Well, I am going to go in between you guys. Between- go between them? Are you crazy? Sorry. Go sorry. between them? <laughs> <laughs> Fucked you up again. I'm sorry. I'll just, you can start over. And oh, by the way, since you have to start over, Pat, I'm going to take up for you. It is 30-something pages book, but it content, 22 pages. You you shut your mouth when you talk to us, Jared. <laughs> Go on mute. 